In episode 467 with Sophie Jaffe, we talk about how to do business and babies. We talk about mama guilt, how to move through big emotions and things that come up in our life. We talk about friendships as adults and how to be in the most conscious relationship that you can be in, plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because I have one of my beautiful friends, Sophie, on the show with us today. This is her second time here. She actually came on with her husband, Adi, and I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to check out that episode. It was such a goodie. But for those of you that have never heard of Sophie, she is an LA-based health and wellness expert, superfood entrepreneur, co-host of the Ignited podcast, yoga teacher, and mother to three beautiful children. She founded her superfood company and wellness brand, Philosophy, with the goal of making it easier, more inspiring, and more delicious to attain optimal health and radiant wellness. And her products are mm, so delicious. She preaches intuition with everything she does, intuitive eating, intuitive movement, intuitive living. Through her holistic approach to well-being, Sophie has learned that total well-being begins with total nourishment. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 467. And now let's get this party started. Let's bring on the beautiful Sophie Jaffe. Beautiful Sophie, I am so excited to have you here on the show today. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Yes. This morning, as I was eating breakfast, I knew you were going to ask me what I was eating for breakfast. So as I was eating the pineapple, I was like, she's going to ask me what I'm eating. This is a very like meta moment right now. I always start with a big glass of water, some lemon, whatever I'm feeling like I need, maybe some apple cider vinegar or whatever. Usually it's spring water. And then I have a big superfood coffee. So the first thing that I really eat is my superfood coffee, but it's full of my beautiful products. It has so much protein and good healthy fats. It's almost like a milkshake that I get to wake up to every day. And then I usually have that for a while. And if I end up having anything else, it's usually just fruit. So I just had a huge amount of organic pineapple after my superfood coffee while I was driving the kids to camp. I just was like eating pineapple, enjoying it. <laughs> so good. High vibe. Yum, yum, yum. Well, I am so excited to have you back on the show. This is your second time on the show. You were on episode 299, What to Do When Your Partner Cheats with your beautiful husband, Adi. So you guys were on the show and Nick and I have been on your podcast and that was titled A Real Marriage Story, Soulmates, Cheating and True Intimacy. And we'll link to both of those episodes in the show notes. But can you give us a little bit of an update of where you're at right now? What's going on in your business? What's going on in your personal life? 
It's been a long time since you were on the podcast. So give us a little bit of an update on what's going on for you in your business and your personal life right now. Happily. I, it's interesting. I think both in, I, I saw this the other day, like a parallel between what's going on with philosophy and what's going on with me personally. They're pretty much the same. I'm going through these huge upgrades. It's happening fast. Like I almost can't keep up with myself and it's beautiful, but it's also a little exhausting and a little draining because I'm in the work, I'm upgrading. And, you know, like think about a computer that's upgrading. It like makes a lot of noise and it's working. And so that's what I feel like I'm in, in both of those places. And there's so many gifts and so many amazing moments and so many ahas. And also it's really hard. And there have been moments in the last few months, I want to say that I just want to give up like in everything. There was a, a huge moment two weeks ago with philosophy where I just was up all night, like kind of mourning the loss of my company and saying like, it was a great run. It was a 10 year run of my beautiful superfood company. I am not my company. I have an identity, you know, just like an identity crisis around that. And also finally letting there be a surrender in case that is what had to happen in that moment and saying, I'm going to be okay. I am Sophie. I am separate from my company. I am not philosophy mama till the day I die. I mean, I will be, but you know, there's so much more to who I am. And I think that with that surrender for really the first time, instead of resistance, everything of course worked out, but I feel like it was almost a rebirth. And the same thing is going on in my personal life in everything from friend breakups, people that have been in my life for so long to I read the same book you read, actually, How to Break Up with Friends, Erin Faulkner. And she's lovely. The book came at exactly the right time for me. And yeah, it's, it's, it's heavy. It's all really heavy. And it's, it's a lot of work. And I don't know any other way to live. I don't know how else to show up to life without giving it my all. And I don't mean I'm spiraling all the time. Like I'm not a very anxious person. I'm actually very grounded. I'm a triple earth. I, I just want to show up and do my best. And I want to be an example for my children. And I want to be, I want to live by example. And part of that is leaning in and doing the hard work and not being in a relationship with people that I don't feel reflect the best parts of who I am and who I can be and will be. So yeah, I mean, that's more of like a bird's eye view, like a lens from far away, zoom out, zoom out. That's what it is. There's a lot of details in there, but that's that's what's happening from that zoom out perspective. One of the many, many things that I love about you is your willingness to walk through the fire, to do the work, to show up. You are so committed to your path. You are so committed. And that's something that I just love and adore about you. I'm surprised that you are a triple earth and you don't have any, do you have any fire in any of, where's the fire in your sign? I have Aries in Mercury, which is communication, planet of communication. So I'm very like quick and fast. And I like, I want to get through fights fast. I want to lean in and move through it and get to the other side. And, and same with the way I communicate and carry myself, right? It's that Aries quick energy. But yeah, no, I, I'm mostly earth. I've got some fire and a little bit of Scorpio in there as well. But I have no air, zero wow. air. 
Wow. Because meeting you, I would think that you would have a lot more fire because I have a lot of fire and I'm like you too. I just want to fight and get it done and move on and move through it. And it's really interesting how other people, you know, really need to take their time and to process and to sit with it and then approach it. Like, that's not me. I'm like, let's just chat about this. Let's move on and let's go. Yeah. I'm like, life's too short. Why are we still talking about this thing? Are we good now? Are we done? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you just need a minute. I'm like, fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is where astrology is really amazing because you can understand how people do the things that they do by just understanding more about their chart. So I love that. Now you've spoken about so many things that I want to dive into. The first one being when these challenging things come up for you, whether it's in your business or your personal life, how do you move through it? Like, What are some of the tactile things that you do to move through more challenging times in your life? Well, as I said, because I'm so grounded in earth, I need to do grounding rituals that really remind me that I am the earth, that remind me of the cycles of nature. So I, I'm really into the moon. I'm really into astrology, but I'm really into just being in nature and just reminding myself of the simplicity of it all. So even just going and looking at the ocean and looking at the ebbs and the flows and just recognizing that that's all we all are. And nature is itself repeating. There's deaths, there's births, and just reminding myself on the most fundamental levels of how basic it all is, that helps me step away. And again, that zoom out. So I'm not in so much of my own story. I've got astrologers, I've got healers, I've got therapists, I've got all the people that I need to call on when I do. I don't necessarily see anyone or do anything regularly, but my husband and I have a couple therapists that we see probably once a month just as maintenance. Otherwise, I don't really like, you know, I've looked at my human design. I'm also a generator. I know you are. I don't like doing the same thing every single day. I actually really need that nuance. So My toolbox has a lot of grounding practices from burning Palo Santo or a sage, sitting in meditation, breath work, getting outside into nature, taking a walk. But I don't do anything in the same order every day because I like to intuitively ask myself what it is I need. And sometimes it's journaling and sometimes it's dancing. Sometimes it's shaking, something somatic. Sometimes, um, you know, sitting in the sun and just being still. And it's really important that I tune into what I need in that moment instead of having a blueprint because I get really bored if it's the same thing every single day. And then it doesn't resonate. It stops resonating. It stops working. The magic stops working. So for me, I know I need to have a toolbox that I can pull from, but like no two days are the same. I love that. I love the idea of having a toolbox that you can go to whenever you are feeling anxious or frustrated or anything, whenever you're feeling anything, or even just a little bit off course, open that toolbox and see what resonates with you and meet whatever is right in front of you. I love that. I love that you don't have this structure and it's more just intuitively allowing whatever needs to come up and you intuitively choosing the best tools to support you in that moment. So I love that. And you mentioned a couple of things like journaling, uh, free writing, Uh, sage, tarot cards, movement, meditation. Is there anything else that's in your toolbox that you didn't mention? Well, I did mention, I want to make a point of this. 
Somatic shaking has been really, really helpful when there's something that feels stuck in my body. And anyone can do this that's listening. So you put on, let's say, two to three songs and maybe pick them at random and let yourself move to the music, feel, tap in, maybe hand to heart, hand to belly, and then just start shaking your hands and then just start shaking your hips. And it's not a dance. It's a, it's a release. So energetically, you're thinking in your mind and you're thinking mind, I want to release anything that's stuck in my body right now. And then you shake and shake and shake and shake your legs, shake your left leg, your right leg, shake your hips, shake your booty. You're shaking and it's a very, it's a release. And then you can jump up and down. You can get down on the ground and have a tantrum like a toddler and just kick your feet and kick your hands. It is so cathartic and it works really fast in just like two to three songs. Honestly, just in one song, I feel different. I feel alive. I feel electric. And I can remind myself who I am just in that, in those few moments. Mm, it is such powerful work. And it's often, you know, some people might think, oh, that's too simple or that's too easy, but it's the easy things to do that are also the easy things not to do. And those little things make such a huge difference to our life, to our health, to our mental health. So I want to encourage everyone to try that. It's a really beautiful practice. I know for me, it it's the same. I feel electric. I feel alive. I just feel like every chakra has opened up. So movement is very, very, very powerful. I love that you mentioned that. So you and Adi have been married for how long? <laughs> okay. I was 25 and now I'm 38. Is wow. that 13 years? Yeah. Wow. And you have three gorgeous children. Can you tell us the ages of all of them? Yep. Kai is our first. We had him shortly after we got married. I was 26 when I had him, a little baby, and he's now 11. He'll be 12 in August, which is just insane to me. Leo is two years younger than Kai. He's nine going on 10. And then Noah just turned four. Oh my gosh. A little girl. Oh my gosh. And you are such an incredible mama. And when I look at you, and I've spoken about this on the podcast a few times, there are three camps. There are mamas, there are boss babes, and then there are people like you and I who do both, right? And they're all amazing. They all are big. They're all beautiful. None are better than the other. They're all incredible. And when I look at you, and I've known you now for so many years, and I have been to your home, I know how you live. And when I look at you, and when I think of you, I think of someone who does that dance between boss babe and parenting really well. I feel like you do it really, really well. And I'm not saying that it's all rainbows and butterflies. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like you have this ability to dance between the two quite well. So I want to know, how do you do it? What are some practical tips? Who's in your support team to help make that happen? Because three kids is not one kid. Three kids is three kids and a business and a husband and all of the things. So talk to us about how you have learned how to do this over the past almost 12 years. Mm. Yeah. So for us, you know, it's been an evolution. It's been a learning experience beyond anything. And for me, I don't have parents in my life or in-laws that live close and 
really play a very involved position in our lives. There weren't parents around asking to take our kids. There wasn't extra help, extra support. So for Adi and I, we had to figure it out on our own. I had no other friends that had kids in LA. I was very alone. I was very solo journey. So that in itself was really hard. Um, I actually wasn't speaking to my mom at the time. So I didn't even have my mom to call. I have still my very best friend in the world who has four kids now and she homeschools. We live very different lives. But when it comes to our parenting, we talk on the phone every day and she's my person. And so although we're very different, we do, we've found a middle ground of parenting that's very similar. And so we have each other for that. And I think having that confidant was really imperative for me because I would have been even more lonely. But in terms of actual, so I think sanity in terms of being able to talk to someone and process is big in motherhood. Having, you know, my husband worked a lot. Um, it's also, he's not a mother. So having a, another mother to be able to connect with daily was very, very good for me. On top of that, I then, we also didn't have a lot of money when we were 26. And, you know, Adi just finished his PhD program right around when Kai was born. He did his dissertation just as, you know, he think it was like two days old. And we were broke. We had no money. And so we just figured it out. And I just started philosophy at that time. And I was working out of my kitchen, a small one bedroom apartment. And Kai was in the baby carrier as I'm preparing foods for big celebrities and wonderful clients. And I would literally take just a percentage of that money and put it towards a babysitter because I knew I needed that time alone and I needed that sanity. And I couldn't bring my baby along with me to drop it off at like George Clooney's house. Like it's not exactly like (laughs) bring your son to work day. So I hired a babysitter. Her name was Erica. She spoke Spanish and English. We had the same birthday and we just worked so well together. We meshed so well. She was such a sweet energy in our home. And I think she only came probably three to four hours a day during Monday through Friday tops in those first like, maybe like, I don't know, six to 12 months or something. She would take them on a walk so I could finish preparing food, right? We just at every stage worked with what we had, both in budget and like what we needed. So I kind of got like the bare minimum of what I needed to stay sane and to get my work done. And so that was a babysitter stage. And then we had two kids and they started going to preschool Um, right around two, two and a half. They started going to a, a really beautiful Montessori preschool. So they were at school until about three. So all I needed at that point was maybe sometimes a babysitter to pick them up if I was doing something else in the city or on the weekends for a date night. So that was really just babysitter vibes. Then we had Noah. And when we had Noah, I I began to kind of lose it a little bit because I was out of the baby stage for so long. Leo was six when Noah was born. So I was, we were out, we were pretty, we would just hire a babysitter, go out, no big deal. And then Noah came. And I remember really well, Adi was out of town on a conference and I was home alone with the three kids. Noah was maybe two months old. And I just start Googling solutions. And I, as a child, had au pairs from other countries. And I looked up the au pair program and I was like, what is all this? And I looked it up and it's a super affordable, beautiful way that if you have extra room in your house to give them their own room and they live with you. And so we had two different au pairs. They lived in our home. It was perfect for that stage of life we were in where we had two big boys going in all different directions. We had Noah, who was a baby at home, having lots of scheduled naps and all of that. 
and us working full-time. So the au pair system worked really beautifully for us during that stage. And then Noah went into preschool and we didn't need someone here all the time anymore. So now we're back to having babysitters and nannies kind of like 12 to five on work days. And then when there's a date night or something like that. So it's been an evolution. And when we have different needs and different financial restraints and everything, we'd have to work within those realms. And I also really wanted to raise my own children. I didn't want a nanny 24-7. And even when the live-in nannies were here, the au pairs, I still was so hands-on. And you know, I was the first one to greet them home from school. And I was the first one to give them a snack. And I made all their lunches. And I really like to be as connected to them as I can possibly be. And I need help. I need support. I like being alone and I like filling my own cup up and I need to get workouts in and I need to be able to think my own thoughts without a toddler talking to me in the, in my ear or, you know, someone needing something from me. So yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. And so I love that, that you need to be full and you need to fill yourself up and what that looks like. And you unapologetically go and do that, which is so important because I see it so much that mothers just burn themselves out. They put themselves at the bottom of their to-do list and they end up burning themselves out. Then they end up resentful. Then they end up angry. Then they end up exploding like a volcano. But this gig, this mothering gig and this business gig, and then combine them to two, it's not a one-person job. It is not a one-person job. It takes a village. That, that saying, it takes a village, it is true. But, but for me, I know when I became a mum, that societal guilt popped up quite a few times. And I'm curious, have you dealt with mama guilt and how do you move through it? Of course, I've dealt with mama guilt. Of course, I want to start with that. However, I do know to my bones how much better of a mom I am when I take that time for myself. It's, it's really a non-negotiable. So although I do sometimes fall into the trap, like we went away for three days a couple of weeks ago and we needed it. We hadn't been away for so long, just the two of us. And Noah was sick. So she was here with our nanny, who's lovely. And she loves her, but Noah was sick. She had a really bad cold. She was coughing a lot. She stayed home from school. And so in that moment, I felt really guilty. Like, oh, she, all she wants is her mommy and I'm not there. And then I reminded myself, just like every other time, I am a better mom when I'm filled up, when my cup is full. And it is a non-negotiable. It, there, there is no wiggle room in that. And we all might need different stages of that cup being full. We might have different you know, levels in which we need and different balls that we hold in the air. But I hold a lot of balls in the air. And I like that. I like that lifestyle. And it takes a little bit more for me to fill up. So there's not really room for guilt. And I have to remind myself and have pep talks when I start to fall into the trap of that societal comparison, because it's not my voice. It's society's voice. I know what's best for my family. I know what's best for my child, my children, my family, my partnership. I know. So as long as I can back away from that and get away from what other people are thinking and saying is right, and I remember my own voice, then then I'm fine. I just definitely, I'm human. I fall into the trap of feeling guilty. And then I remind myself, 
Mm, Absolutely. Me too. And I know with every cell in my entire body that I am a much better mama, a much better wife, a much better friend when I am full. And it's almost like a daily check-in, you know, each day. Okay. How do I feel today? How full do I feel today? Do I need to give Bambi to Nick so I can go for a swim or a walk? You know, so it's a daily check-in. It's not just like this blanket rule. It's kind of like you were saying how you go to your toolbox and you intuitively choose what your soul needs on that day. It's the same with filling yourself up as a mama. How do you feel today? Maybe you had a big night last night, you know, maybe you had a few feeds or whatever it is or whatever journey you're at, but tuning in each day and going, well, how do I feel? Do I need some extra top up today? Or am I cruising? Am I good? Am I good? You know, so it's about regularly checking in with yourself and being honest with yourself. How much time do you need for yourself today? And what can you do to get the support to make that happen, whether that's asking an in-law or a friend or a nanny or your partner or another kid in the family to look after the other sibling whilst you go and have a bath or just wash your hair or whatever it is, get creative. And I think as mothers, we are so creative. When we are mothering, we are in that creative feminine life force energy and our creativity is unlimited. So get creative, have fun with it, get creative and think, okay, well, how can I take 10 minutes for myself? How can I get what I need? Yeah. And you know, it's, I even like, sometimes I'll let them, my older kids watch a show and I like, I'm just spent. I have hit my edge. I do not want to cross that edge. I need to take a bath or I need to jump in the sauna or something. And the baby's maybe sleeping and they're up. And like, I quote, should play a game with them or should fill in the blank. They're tired too. They want to zone out. They want to watch a show, you know, whatever it is. And that's okay too. And I think every family has their own belief systems, but that was a big one for me was to just be like, it's okay sometimes to just let them zone out a little bit. It's okay for me to take that time, even though I quote, should be engaging with them further or, you know, we just had a big dinner and we had a family time and like I had a whole day and my cup is empty and all I want is a bath or all I want is the sauna or some alone time to listen to a podcast and not talk to anyone. That's okay. Sometimes that's okay too. And for anyone that's listening that doesn't have the support system yet or doesn't have the community yet, like that's okay too. And there's a lot of, you know, Pinterest moms out there. And there's a lot of people out there putting out the shoulds. You do what's right for your family, you know? And so that's one, that's kind of like the last layer of my guilt. I don't let them sit in front of it for more than 30 minutes to an hour a day. But if, if it comes to it and I need it, I'll push those boundaries and just say like, forget it. You take care of you. I'm going to take care of me. Mm -hmm. And something really important that you mentioned is the shoulds, letting go of the bloody shoulds, like let them go. I should do this. I should do that. Whenever I catch myself even saying that, I just laugh at myself now. And I'm like, no, no, Melissa, just do what feels true for you. And Nick and I pull each other up on it. He'll be like, really? Should you, babe? Should you? And it's it's just programming. And the more you're aware of it, the more that you can shift it. But anytime you are saying should, just stop take a breath, tune back into your mothering intuition and do what feels right and true for you and your family and let go of the shoulds. Was there a time in your life where you thought, I want to be solely a mum? Or have you always thought, 
I'm going to do motherhood and business? I don't think that I ever wanted to solely be a mom. I, I don't think that, you know, I wasn't really around people that didn't work. I, my mom worked multiple jobs. Like I was around boss babe energy my whole life around women. I always knew that I could juggle it all and that I wanted to juggle it all. It didn't even ever really cross my mind. I think a few times I've been reminded why I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom and why I don't want to only solely be a mom. I think that there's sometimes a fantasy in my mind of like what that would be like. But I know that the reality for me is I, I need something different. I need nuance. I need to be challenged in different ways. I like to use my creative juices in different ways other than, than mothering. And we're all different. As I said, my best friend from home, she, she homeschools her four kids. And that is her life's purpose is to be home with them, mothering them 24-7. She authentically is in her dharma where for me, that would be very much unaligned. And so it's just about, you know, tuning into yourself and your own frequency and your own desires and your own dharma and your own passions. And they can change over time. And yeah, I, I think that's really what it is. It's just not comparing yourself and really tuning into what feels right and trying different things. In the summer, maybe completely take off work and just be with your kids for the whole three months and see how that feels. If you're curious, give it a try. Take them out of school for a year, homeschool. Like you don't have to be like put into a hole of like you are stuck here for the rest of your life, single parenting or being with your kids all day long and being a stay-at-home mom or working from home. There, there is flexibility in anything and you can create your own reality. I'm a firm believer in that. But you have to ask yourself those hard questions and then explore and be curious. Mm, and get creative, like we were saying before. And being a generator, it's like, <laughs> as generators, I don't know if I could solely be a mom. Like as a generator, I have 45,000 creative ideas and projects right now in my mind. And it's like, I want to do all the things and I'm an Aries. So I've got double fire in my chart as well. So I am just like, go, go, go. Let's do, let's create, let's do this. Let's do all of the fun things. And then Nick, my husband is also got a lot of fire in his chart and he's a manifesting generator. So us two together are just like fireworks. We're like, let's do all the things. Let's start all the businesses. Let's invest in this. And it's so fun. And it's, it's just a different way of being. And I've often thought as well, I'm like, because I have a lot of my friends here where I live, where I, I moved back home. I have a lot of friends who are solely mothers and they love it. Like your best friend, they absolutely love it. They have three kids. That is their dharma. They're in their flow. They're in their element. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder. And it's just this resounding not for me. It's it's not for me. I talk about filling myself up. Like the, my work fuels me. My purpose fuels me so much. You know, writing books, podcasting, creating all of these things. They fuel me. They light me up. They then allow me to show up as the best version of myself. And so when I took time off, like I took a long maternity leave. And yes, it was so delicious and so beautiful. And I loved every second of it. And then like eight months in, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to like really get back into my work to start creating again. I really need to. And for me, I was getting bored, not bored of mothering. I was not expressing my creativity in the way that 
I wanted to. Yes, I was expressing it in other ways, but it really fuels me and fills me up when I express my creativity through my work, through my purpose and through helping and supporting other people. So yeah, I think as a generator and you and I are similar in that way that it's part of who we are. Yes. Yeah. And I think I'll always be this way. I might tone it down a little bit at some point, but for now I'm all systems ago. And it feels so aligned and so good. And because I have those self-care practices built into my daily, every day feels like a fresh new start and it doesn't feel draining unless I burn out and I know what to do when I get there and I know what boundaries I need to put in place and up level, you know, and, and it's like I was saying about upgrading everything. It's across the board in my life right now, energetically. And I know the phase that I'm in and I trust it. And I feel really good about where I am, even though it's uncomfortable and sticky. I'm in that transformation phase and it's hard. It's yucky. And also I know what's on the other side is that butterfly. It's so beautiful and and it will be so expansive. And then I'll be at that that next level of existence. And it's be- every ride is is beautiful and heart-wrenching all at once. Absolutely. For someone who's listening who really would love to get some extra support, but financially, it's not possible for them right now. You know, you said that you took some of the income when you were 26 to get a babysitter. What advice would you have for someone who's like, I really would love a nanny or a babysitter or just some extra support and they might not have family or friends close by? I mean, that's always a great first option is is family, is parents, in-laws, if they're there. What advice would you have for someone who is in that spot right now? When I was in my mid-20s, I also had a part-time job at a gym here called Equinox. It's a very nice gym. And I kept that job. I just worked a couple hours a week being a trainer or teaching yoga. And I kept that job so that I had the free membership. And the free membership also included some hours of childcare. And so you know, it was X amount a week. My husband would take the baby while I was teaching. And then we would go together to the gym and let the kids be in childcare. And we would take a little extra time and go up to the sun deck and hang out or take a nap during those early months. But again, with getting creative, it's like my job was paying for childcare. So we were really creative with how we used it. And then I would go and just completely fill up my cup. There was sometimes I wouldn't go and work out. I would just go and do the sauna and take a shower and wash my hair and be alone and feel just like put myself back together again. Or I would go into the sun deck and take a nap for an hour and a half until it was, you know, that the two hours of kids club was done. But there's trades you can do with people that you love. You can do energetic trades like there's so many things. Like I taught yoga to this family for a long time, probably like 25 to 27, 28. I taught yoga to their family and they would, they owned a dog grooming. And this isn't obviously the same as babysitting, but I'm just thinking about ways I've gotten creative when I didn't have the financial dollars, but your energy is a currency. And so get creative. Like I, I love teaching yoga. They needed a family yoga teacher I, instead of getting paid dollars, they would groom my dog. And when we would go out of town, they would board my dog and take him into their home for as long as we needed without charging us. And so then I can take the money that I'm not spending on my dog 
and put it into babysitting, right? So it's like reshuffling funds, getting creative with how you look at how you're spending. Um, maybe you do one last going out dinner a month and that goes to six hours of babysitting that month. There's so many creative ways. And then if you need a little more support and help, I really love the au pair program. It's very affordable. It's really what you're giving in terms of the mass amount of energy of like, it's not dollars, but is room and board. So you're paying for them their meals. You're giving them somewhere to live. You let them share your car. So if you have the space to house someone, it's the the actual hourly fee for these au pairs is not that much. It's like ridiculous. It ends up being like $8 an hour or something. I think it's 45 or 50 hours a week that you get. I think we paid our au pair $200 a week for 50, 45 or 50 hours. And then room and board and we fed them and we've treated them like family. And you know, you have someone in your space. So you have to be okay with that. That's part of the energy you're giving is you're giving them an experience. You're giving them a warm home to live in. They're far, a lot of these girls are, are young. They're 18 to 25 and they're leaving their family and their home country for maybe the first time in their life. So with my love and my generosity and our home and our family, that was our currency with her. And then we paid her, you know, just enough cash to really get by. And, and that was it. And that, and then the next phase of like being able to afford someone that was more of like a nanny, but anything is possible. And you can send me a DM if you are feeling lost or uninspired or feeling just alone in this, I know how it can feel. And if you, especially if you're a single mom and you're just like, I don't have the means to be able to do this and I need a minute to myself, reach out to me. We can have a conversation. There's, there's always something there. It's just, you have to get creative with how you're thinking. Yes. I love that. Yes. It's so important. When we brought someone into our home a nanny, it, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you just how game changing this was for us. And I think we did it when Bambi was around six months and it has changed my life. And she's here Monday to Friday she does four hours, so like seven till 11 right now. And that will probably extend at some point. And she has become one of my closest friends. She is just so beautiful. I just love and adore her. I did not expect that. I did not expect like to become really good friends with her. Like, I just, yeah, of course I was, you know, it's someone in your home and you have a relationship, but I just didn't know that we were going to be so aligned in so many areas of our life. And hang out. Yeah. You have no idea. When you start to open your heart and open your home and open your family and share your children. Like I love sharing my children with people. I love letting them learn from my friends and letting them do things with them. Like my girlfriend was in town last weekend and took my middle child, the one who's almost 10 rock climbing. And like, I don't want to go rock climbing. I'm not good at rock climbing. I don't want to start something new right now. Like I had stuff to do that day. And She's my age, she's like 36, maybe, maybe she's a little younger, 35. And she took him rock climbing for four hours and they had the best time. And like, she can give him something I can't give him. And so many of my girlfriends have been like sisters and, and taught my kids. And, and, you know, sometimes they've also babysat as like a gift. Like they're like, what do you want? Like, if you're needing help, like ask your girlfriends, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to put the baby asleep. Can you just come hang out here? And like, hang out with your boyfriend here while we got to dinner. We just need a minute to ourselves. You have no idea. And people also, I'm thinking of that expression, just because I carry it well, doesn't mean it's not heavy. And 
I've always really resonated with that because I do make it look easy because I love my life. It is really pleasurable. I love all the things I do. I love all the balls in the air. I love having all these different types of children, but it doesn't mean it's not heavy. And I love having all these different jobs and like roles I play and hats I wear and this relationship with my husband and the work we do with couples and retreats. I do so many different things, but just because I carry it well, doesn't mean it's not heavy. And that's a note for people in your life that are strong. Check on them. Ask how you can support them. Most of us don't need one more thing. So as a birthday gift, I would rather you give me a voucher for watching my kid. I would rather you say you're going to take my kid on an adventure. Like that kind of stuff. That's my love language now is acts of service because I am at my full capacity. And although that full capacity is so beautiful and I love every aspect of it, it's a lot. It's a lot to carry. So letting your tribe really click in and offer what they can offer. Like I notice little things like when I'm hosting, I'll have people over and like, I think I need to handle everything. I need to handle all the food, all the entertainment, all the everything, the the vibe, the house, the energy. I don't. I can ask everyone to bring it potluck style and tell them what to bring. And people want to help, especially in your community. So let them help. I think that's a big one too. 100%. I love when my friends come to me and say, babe, I'd really love your opinion on this, or I'd really love your help with this, or I'd really love your support with this. I love it. I get so full. Firstly, I feel honored. This is the first one. I feel honored that they want my help, my support, or my opinion. So firstly, I feel honored. And secondly, I get full from giving. So it fills up my giving cup. You know, I then feel full. So just master that inner mean girl thought that, oh, I can't ask for help. I can't possibly ask for help. You know, everyone's busy. Everyone's got things on. Yeah. So what? That doesn't mean that you still can't ask for support and your best friends, they want to help. And I'm the same. Like all my friends know, don't buy me more stuff for my birthday. Like I don't need any more things. A lot of my friends, they'll give me an organic facial voucher or a massage voucher or something like that. Like that to me is my love language. Like buy me a massage voucher, give me that and I will love you forever. Or an organic facial, yes, hello. But asking for support and asking for help. And Nick was away for a whole weekend. He went away for three days just recently. And I asked one of my best friends, Sally, I said, could you come and sleep over one night? Just because, you know, having someone play with Bambi while I just go and pee and have my own shower. And yes, she can like play on the floor in front of the, the bathroom, but it's just not ideal, you know? And then I'm like freaking out if she slips or something like that. So ask for support. And Sally was just like, of course, babe, I would love to come over and play and do that. And so she got full, which is really beautiful. And I have another friend who on Mother's Day, her two kids and her husband said, what do you want for Mother's Day? And every year she says, the day to myself. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Literally. And then she had friends that were really like, oh, that's so weird. Like it's Mother's Day. Don't you want to spend the day with your family? Don't you? And she's like, no, I, I, I love my family so much and I love myself and I want to go spend the day walking in nature by myself. Is that okay? Or even just like three hours or something like that. And I thought that's so beautiful and such a beautiful thing to do. And it takes 
deeply knowing yourself and what fills you up and the confidence to express what you desire and to get out of your head, to master your inner mean girl that says, oh, you can't do that or you're a bad mother or you should do this. No, do what feels right and true for you. And if that is going for a walk on your own or doing something that fills you up, then do that. So I I love this so much. And remember that everyone loves to help and support. So give them the opportunity to do that. I want to talk now about friendships because at the very start of this, you spoke about some friendship breakups and we spoke about Erin's book, How to Break Up with Friends. She's been on the podcast. I love and adore her and her book was amazing. And for those that have not read the book, it's not about how to break up with friends. It's, it's really about how to be a better friend. So tell me, as an adult, how do you form new friendships? How do you nurture your current friendships? How do you let go of friendships? Talk to me about this. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, at every different stage for me, I I really grow very rapidly. So I grow out of things rapidly. I grow into things rapidly. I grow, you know, I move on very quickly, like we talked about, just in terms of like that Aries, Mercury, and just, I am quick. I just am like, oh, I got the message. Okay, let's go move on. And I think it's hard for for some people to be in a relationship with me because of that. Like it's, yeah, it's been a really interesting thing to observe. But I'm also a super generous friend. And I'm like the lover of all lovers. And I'm very attentive. And I love to give my girlfriends so much attention and love and respect and build them up and make them feel good. But when I start to not feel that reciprocity, which is something that I've, it's been very much on my heart lately is this concept of reciprocity. And I'm reading Braiding Sweetgrass. I don't know if you've read it, but it's really beautiful. And it's all about just this concept of like sweetgrass and just different types of farming and agriculture and how it just, the earth just gives to us. And our job is to take and without you know, paying for it, like just eating it and loving it and letting the fruit juice just come down your face. Like that is the energy of nature and what it wants. And in friendship, I realized that these, these friends that I stopped being friends with, there wasn't a lot of reciprocity. I was kind of like the mama and taking care of everyone and not asking for a lot of help and feeling bad for having needs and like, Hey, if they want to help, then they're going to ask me if they can help. But they weren't. So it kind of just became all about them. And it became very depleting. I think also in this post COVID era, everyone is sort of restructuring the type of friendships, relationships, community they want in their lives. And I think it was really, it's allowing me to purge a lot of relationships that don't serve me and a lot of things that don't serve me, but mostly relationships because I'm so impacted by the relationships in my life. So yeah, I mean, I've really been upgrading in that way and purging relationships in my life that don't have that concept of reciprocity of that give and take. And I think that to build new friendships right now, I've just been really giving it space and working hard not to fill up the space that these two girls had in my life. And instead of just filling it up with more people and distracting myself and kind of numbing or escaping the pain of like the heartbreak and the disconnect and all of that. Instead, I'm just sitting with it and and letting it be spacious and 
I know and trust that with this space, the right people will come in. And with me knowing what I'm worthy of and the relationships I'm worthy of having, you know, if they're long distance friendships, that's okay. I still would rather have like a long distance close friend that I talk to once in a while and really gets me, holds me, shows up for me when I need them and isn't in competition with me can can celebrate my wins even if they're having a bad day isn't jealous of me isn't controlling any of that kind of low vibration i'd rather have friends that are 3000 miles away or in australia or you know like it's okay it's okay for me to feel lonely sometimes i've got a beautiful family i've got so much other things to pour my love into and walking away from these kind of women that were like the last of these women in my life that were on a lower vibration, they weren't seeing me where I was and supporting me and holding me. It feels really liberating. And I am worthy of the type of friends in my life of the way that I give in friendship. I'm worthy of that. And I deserve that. And I won't stop till I have that, even if it's less. And I think as we get older, like less is more. Mm, Absolutely. It's quality of a quantity. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why we love each other so much is because we have that same love language. You know, we fill each other up in the same way, which is why our friendship has been over the last couple of years, because we, yeah, we fill each other up in that same way. We're there for each other. We support each other. But for those types of friendships where you realize that there isn't that reciprocity anymore, how do you go about separating? How do you go about consciously uncoupling? I know Erin talks a lot about it in her book. She says, you know, you can have a conversation, you can write a letter. What have you found really work for you? Because I know for me, it's been different for different situations, but have you found anything really work well for you? You know, I feel like I'm not the best example of of this. I'm, I'm not super proud of the way that I exited these friendships, but I kind of hit like a breaking point and then just cut. And, uh, I think it's definitely that Aries energy and that fire and like the passion in which we loved each other is like the same passion in which it ended. And I do feel like that's just kind of me And I'd like in the future to not have that happen and to work on communicating things sooner. I I felt like I was, and then I felt trampled on over and over again and just continuing to be like a dumping ground for one of the girls specifically for her emotions and her needs. And she was just so needy and always complaining. And I felt like I was communicating that it just wasn't working for me. I would have like tough love conversations with her it felt like a very long year before we finally ended things, but the message wasn't getting through. So I finally just blew up and just, it was a big fire. And, you know, I, I'm not perfect. I'm human and parts of me regret it and parts of me don't. And I don't know if that makes me an asshole, but I'm kind of like, I felt disrespected for a long time and like things kind of blew up. I also do know myself. I'm so forgiving that I think if I would have just like written her a letter, I think she would have roped me back into it. And I think that we had a pretty codependent relationship. And I think without that explosion and setting fire to it, I feel like 
I'm so generous and, and forgiving that I would have probably allowed her back in my life. And she's not good for me. She's not good for me. And she's not good for my livelihood. And she's not good for my confidence. And she's not good for my day-to-day mental well-being. And yet I would have let her back in. So part of that, that why I'm saying like part of me isn't, doesn't feel bad about it is like some things need to be set on fire. Mm. Yeah, it's big. I think friendships are work. They like a relationship. And I've spoken about this so much. They take time, they take energy, they take work, they take commitment, all of the things. I want to say something else too that I learned through this. And it's that friendships can also have an expiration date. Mm, the season of reason or a lifetime. I That saying, you know? It really resonates in this. There are seasons, there are chapters, and there are endings. And that's okay. And I think that with romantic relationships, we've accepted that as a society. And I think with friends, we just, we're like, hey, I've known her since I was 12. Like, She's a shitty friend, but hey, it's Sarah and she's been in my life since we were 12. So whatever. I don't agree. Like we either shift and we change and we put the work in and we grow together or we don't. And that chapter can end. And often we put up with poor behavior in friendships that we would never put up with. Never. In a romantic relationship. And it's because there's this like deep, deep, deep underlying wanting to be liked and accepted that if we're not aware of, we can let ourselves stay in these not serving us relationships because we're not being honest with the fact that, okay, this is triggering my need to be liked and accepted. And now that I'm aware of that, I can just know that that's what's happening here and I can choose to let this go. You know, I don't need to hold on just because I want this person to like and accept and approve of me. This is not serving me. It's a season, a reason or a lifetime. And and this season is now over. Yes. Yes. And I think that that giving people permission, I hope whoever's listening, if you have someone in your life that's just not filling your cup and instead, like I read the kids, the, this, um, have you filled a bucket today? You have to buy it. Yes. Okay. I will. But it's called, have you filled a bucket today? And if you have a friend in your life that's taking from your bucket, never mind not putting anything into it. But like in this friendship, in the last year, it's been just taking and taking and taking and like throwing up all over my bucket all day. And I'm just like, how are you doing this? But it's also, I let her do it. And even though I felt like I was stepping in, even though I felt like I was standing up for myself, and even though I felt like I was setting boundaries, it was not getting through. So if you are in a relationship where your bucket is not being filled, someone's being competitive, not supporting you, not celebrating your wins, deeply insecure and not working on their own stuff, triggering you, like whatever, you have permission to say this isn't working. And then tune into yourself and figure out what would feel best to move forward. Like I've, I've had um, not necessarily breakups, but like long periods of time when I didn't talk to certain parents in my life. And that, that was done by an email, by a letter, because I needed to get all my feelings and thoughts out. So I've definitely had relationships in my life that I've written a letter, gotten my feelings out, and then taking space. And it really helped the relationship to take that space. I've also had friend breakups in my life who were very near and dear to me, very connected emotionally, energetically, 
in so many different ways, super intertwined. And we took a year and a half break. And then now we're better than ever. And so it's like, again, there's different stages. And then there's some that like, are probably never going to grow up or change or respect you or love you or be able to love you in the ways that you need as a friend. And that's okay to walk away. And there are so many beautiful people on this planet that you have yet to meet. And when this last friend breakup happened, my best guy friend was like, oh, I can't wait to see who you attract next. And I was like, I have so many amazing people in my life already that I don't put enough attention into because I'm distracted by this other girl. And all I don't need new friends necessarily. I'm open to it. I need to nurture the ones I already have. And how can I pour more love and attention into the ones who show up equally? And there is that reciprocity. So yeah, just just knowing that you're worthy of having the friendships that you know you deserve and then making shifts and changes to to really get that. Mm, Yes. I love that so much. And I love the fact that, you know, you are not trying to fill that gap. It's like, okay, how can I pour more love into the friendships that are right in front of me? But what about if you're on the receiving end of someone else, quote unquote, breaking up with you? Like, have you ever experienced that? And how did you move through it? Yeah. I had two women in my life that kind of similarly broke up with me. And, you know, I still don't have a lot of clarity around why I have my ideas and thoughts. We're very different. I'm a mom. They're not. And even though I'm a mom, I'm a really good friend. I'm very attentive. And I think that in those relationships, what I've kind of downloaded from little bits and pieces from them and the little bit that they would give me in a text or or a voice note is just that like they've been in such unhealthy relationships for so long that being in a friendship with me was almost too much. Mm. And I'm an intense person. Like I said, I bring a hundred to everything. 120. (laughs) 120, 111. Yeah, Yeah. So that's a lot for people that are not showing up to life that way. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I still took offense to it. My ego was bruised. I felt sad. I felt disheartened. I felt rejected. And there wasn't a lot of clarity. It wasn't really done in like a beautiful way, but they did it in the, you know, they're, they're avoidant. So they just kind of like stopped texting back or, or calling back or, things would kind of leak to me through other people or I would get bits and pieces through like voice notes or text when I would beg for it because I really wanted closure. I wanted to understand so I could grow from it. But yeah, that was, I think more than anything, the pain of that was the ego of not understanding and feeling rejection, even though I know in my heart of hearts that like, I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who can't meet me halfway. They knew that they couldn't meet me halfway. So they peacefully exited out. And I'm still like, Hey, that hurts my ego. And like, I feel rejection, but it's like, I don't want to be friends with people who can't meet me halfway. So they were doing me a favor. And yet I still had a very human experience of of that and felt really depressed about it. And just like, why wouldn't they want to be my friend? You know, it hurts. Yeah, it does. And the fact that there's no closure, I am like you where I'm like, let's just talk about this and move on with our life. 
it doesn't mean we have to be best friends, but let's just talk about this. Let's tie a bow around this. Let's close this tab. Let's not leave this loop open. Like loops open for me. Close me. Just cl- are we friends or are we not friends? Just, <laughs> just let me yeah, know. And more, import- and more importantly, I just want to know why. And the reason why, so I can learn and grow. And it's kind of selfish for someone to keep that information to themselves. You don't want to be my friend. Totally fine with that. Just tell me why so that I can learn and grow from it. And throughout time, one of the girls has come around a good bit and she'll give me bits and pieces and she'll send me love on Instagram and all of that. But it feels very just kind of fake and it's okay. It's okay. I see her true colors and I don't want any part of it. And it's probably a gift. It is a gift. And yet, no matter which side you're on, it's really hard. And the closure and understanding why something didn't my one friend knows she, we didn't have this proper closure, but she knows that she took advantage of me for way too long. The other two, in my case, it, it's painful. It hurts. It hurts not to know. And as grown adults, it's also just like disappointing. Like, come on, you guys, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, can we just have a conversation about this? And ideally not over text, you know, can we just pick up the phone or can we meet in person and just have a quick conversation about it so that we can close this tab and move forward with our life. But yes, when someone does completely cut you out of their life, they stop responding, they just do not text back or call you back. That really hurts because you're left sitting there going, what on earth is going on? Like, did I do something or is this just completely their stuff? Like, is this all their stuff? And you know, something that's really helped me is knowing attachment styles. And, you know, they're obviously have an avoidant, you know, they're avoidant attachment styles. So for them, it's easier to just block and leave. Like that's maybe, maybe that's what they saw growing up. And that's the thing is that the attachment styles of most of the people that I was in relationship with that I am not anymore were more of the insecure, anxious attachment. And I'm a secure attachment. So it doesn't work. I need people in my life that at their fundamental core is secure. Do I have human experiences and have insecurities once in a while? Fine. Do I sometimes feel a little anxious? Yes. Very different than the core essence of my being. I am secure. So I need relationships in my life that at the very beginning, at least we know we're both secure. I see you. I see you. Great. And if you weren't, and then you're doing the work, say that you grew up with a very anxious or avoidant type of style, and you've been in the work of it, and you're practicing every day, and you're working on yourself, and you now consider yourself to be changed, and you've been in it, great. But most of the people in my life are not actively, they're kind of avoiding the actual work that it would take to show up every day and be embodied, to show up every day and actually connect to what they need. You know, and it's, it's frustrating, but it's also like, now I know, like I can't get into another relationship with someone unless they're deeply secure out the gate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or vulnerable enough to share that this is something that they're working on. And I think that's really important, that vulnerability and say, Hey, you know, in the past I might have had an insecure attachment, but I'm really working on it and I love you. And I want to be in this friendship with you and I might slip up, but I might not. And I'm here and I'm working on it. And this is me because, you know, we're not all perfect. No. And I think that best friends should be able to call each other out when we're not vibrating at our highest frequency. And if 
someone wanted to be in a relationship with me and they were like, look, this is my attachment style, or I have this deep trauma that I've been working on for a long time. And I want to just say it out loud and, you know, feel free to give me feedback because I want to learn and grow and vice versa, you know, but like my other friend would just have tantrums all the time. Like she wasn't actually available for feedback. She wasn't actually available because she didn't actually want to change. She wanted to lead with the trauma. She wanted to lead with that insecurity every single day. Everything she did was like a reflection of that. And I don't want any part of that. I want the, I want the strong women who know who they are, who are empowered, who have a spine, a backbone, who go through the hard things for sure have seen some shit for sure, but they get themselves back up. They're strong. They are resilient. They do the work. They are intuitive. Like that's what I need in my life is that reflection and that mirror. Mm, Absolutely. It's big. And I think the more that we can, and I think as well as mothers, I know for me, it's in my late teens and early twenties, I had so many friends. It was all about the quantity and, and now it's really about the quality. So really nurturing the friendships that are in front of me and making sure that I am watering those friendships and filling those friendships up and and giving love in those areas and the check-in. And things do change when you have kids. It does change. And I always said that I'm not going to be that person that completely drops off the face of the earth when I have kids because I have friends that have done that. When they either get a boyfriend or when they have kids, they completely drop off the face of the earth. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to really make a conscious effort to nurture my friendships still because they mean a lot to me. And that has meant that a few have slipped away, but the ones that are there have deepened like nothing I could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say one of my friends that we broke up, like had a friend break up about a year, year and a half, maybe a year that we were not speaking. Really what brought us back together is the fact that she had a baby. Oh, yes. So she didn't have kids. I had three kids. There were so much just like, we just weren't under, we loved each other, but there was just so many misunderstandings and weirdness. And so she had a baby. She also had a new partner. The last one was very toxic and this is a new partner. And when we, when we found each other again, she was different. Mm. And now she has an almost one-year-old and we're best of friends again. And even deeper because we went through that. And we know that like, we're not going to take each other for granted. Either of us could leave at any given moment if like it's not if we're not showing up a hundred. And I see the shift. She's working so hard to be the type of friend that I need. And I'm working really hard to be the kind of friend that she needs. And what really changed us and healed us was her having a baby. So wow. there's, you know, people definitely can change. Definitely. Wow. That's amazing. It's so beautiful. Okay, I'd love to hear what is your definition of success and what do you attribute your success to? Hmm. I think success is really a feeling. I think about this a lot. Like, what does success mean? Because it's not a certain number, it's not a certain amount of likes. It's not success is really a feeling and it can be fleeting. But I think that success is really living in alignment and loving, full-heartedly loving what you do from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep. And that doesn't mean that it's perfect and all roses. And it doesn't mean that you're not human and have struggles. But I think a successful life is one that you're doing all the things you love and all the things that fill you up. And mostly you're in complete alignment from the relationships you're in to 
the way your work is going, like things just start to flow when you're in that successful place. And that, that really feels like the most authentic definition to me, because it's not about a certain number. It's not about a certain point that you reach. It's an ongoing verb. (laughs) Like it's ongoing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What's bringing you the most joy in your life right now? You know, what's bringing me a lot of joy is the work that Adi and I are doing with couples. Mm. I want to come on one of your Mexico retreats. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I would love that so much. And you and I talk about doing retreat stuff. I think that we would kill it. I know. For everyone listening, Sophie and I have been talking about doing a retreat together in Australia, probably next year. So We have been talking about this and it's been on our mind for a very long time, but we are going to do something together. We're going to do something and I cannot wait. My son was just reading a book the other day and telling me all these cool places in the world and mentioned Australia. And I was like, we're going. (laughs) Yes, yes. But yeah, I I really love, I mean, it's interesting. Again, this post-COVID era of people just being in deep, deep crisis, their relationships are in crisis, their marriages are in crisis. People are shifting and transforming what it means to have a life and what their life looks like. And people need this relationship work now more than ever. And so we've been doing workshops and one day retreats and retreats in different areas. We have one coming up in Tulum, September 21 through 25 this year. And we're so excited. It's actually almost full. We're like 80% full, but it's a really big venue. So I think they could stretch us and get some more in there. But we love the work we do with couples. We taught a free workshop online a couple of weeks ago, and it was a one hour workshop. And Adi and I were on there for two and a half hours, just giving our hearts and sharing with couples and being there for people. And it we felt so filled up after that two and a half hours. And, and it was free. It, we didn't charge for it. It was just a labor of love. And I just am so excited by that work that we do and the lives that we're transforming. I and mean, we get messages every day from couples we've worked with, like, you've changed our life. You saved our marriage. You saved our family. Like, it's just so powerful. And it's one thing to help one person. It's another thing to help an entire family put their family back together again and heal. So you know, just know that you're not alone. If you're in a coupleship and you are struggling, you are not alone. And conscious uncoupling and divorce, of course, if that is what's meant, especially if there's like abuse or you've fallen out of love, or, you know, there's some reasons why you should definitely head for the hills. But most times you can work it out. Most times when you think there's no middle ground or there's no negotiation or there's no possible path with your partner, there is. And we've found it. We have people come to us ready for divorce and that is their final thing that they're putting their eggs all in one basket and they leave four days later completely different and their, their marriages are not perfect, but they're, they're saved, you know? And so it's really powerful and we've just been falling in love with everyone we get to work with in this work itself. And it helps us also, you know, selfishly, it it helps our partnership. It helps us step it up. It helps us do the work. Yeah, absolutely. And the work that you guys are doing is so important. I love it. So thank you for doing that work. It's so important. And you guys have been together for so long and you've been through so much. Just go and listen to the episode where I had you both on the show and you'll hear what you guys have been through. Infidelity, so much. And it's been a big journey. So 
you've got that experience under your belt to really help and support so many couples. So I love that you guys are doing retreats for other couples. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because I don't really talk about that stuff that we've been through publicly that much anymore because it's it's not something I lead with. And I've just healed so much of that with a D and my own work really just really stepping into that work. And that's part of the journey of growing is not defining yourself based on who you were, right? Like the butterfly is not fluttering about being like, whew, I'm really thinking about that time when I was in the cocoon. And when I was before that, I was the caterpillar. Like it's okay to be in the gunk of it for a while and to lead with your trauma or lead with your childhood wounds or whatever it is. I get it. I've been there. I had an abusive boyfriend from 15 to 20 who was physically, emotionally, sexually abusive and just not a good person. And then Adi and I went through infidelity and like, I've gone to the depths of hell. My best friend died when I was 21. Like, I get it. Come from a divorced family, but that's not what I'm going to lead with. And that isn't on the forefront of my mind any day anymore. I'm in my life. I'm in this version of this butterfly now. I don't want to lead with all the things in my heart, in my mind. I don't want to stay anxious and stuck in what I was. So I really had to dig into the work. And I just hope that you know that you're not alone in your suffering, but also that you don't have to stay there, that there is something that will resonate for you in that toolbox or with a trained professional, a psychiatrist, a psychologist. It might be a medication, like hold back nothing in terms of options of what you could potentially do to help yourself move past and through. First, you have to move through and then you get to move past that trauma, that wounding, whatever it might be. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world. What is one book that you would choose? The Four Agreements. Mm, so good. I call it my Bible. It's since I was 16 years old, I found it and I was like, yep, that's my Bible. Mm-hmm. And for those that haven't read it, we'll link to it in the show notes, but can you tell us the four agreements? Don't take anything personally. Be impeccable with your word. Don't make assumptions. And then always do your best. Yeah, it's powerful. I mean, every time I read it, I love that they the way he paints the picture of your life just being a dream and that you can create your own hell. And just like, if you get to paint your life and you get to, you get a blank canvas every morning and you get to paint your life and it's all just a dream that you're orchestrating, what do you want to paint? Like, do you want to develop this hell, this version of hell, your own personal hell with anxieties and fears and living in the past or living in the future No, it's not what you, and it really is that simple after you've done the work and after you've kind of poured in your heart and your soul, the four agreements just simplifies. Like, I feel like it's so funny you say that because it should be in every high school. Like that's exactly the age I found it when I was 16 Mm -hmm. and it just resonated to my core. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's so simple too. It's so simple. I love it. I'm actually going to rewrite it out, those four agreements and stick them on my bathroom mirror so I can read them every morning. I'm going to do that too. (laughs) Talk to me about how your day looks. We spoke about at the very start of this conversation that no two days are the same. You get bored really easily. But 
Tell me what a quote unquote typical day in your life looks like. All of your little rituals and routines, go for it. Okay. So I wake up around 6.30. I like to sleep. So that's like an early morning for me. That's usually during the week, Monday through Friday, about 6.30. And then the weekends, I'll sleep longer. I try and get up a little before the kids. Sometimes Noah will come into bed with me or Leo. Someone will come into bed usually. I then do a meditation. I lay in bed and I do a meditation on my phone. It's the first thing I do. I don't look at anything else. Do the meditation once we're done. Sometimes the kids will join me for that. We'll just lay in bed and snuggle and just do, do like breath work or a meditation together. It's so delicious. It's the best way to start my day. I then put my phone down on my bedside table. I don't look at it. So I haven't looked at it besides this app. And I go as long as I can without looking at my phone. That's a huge non-negotiable for me. And when I break that, it it screws up my whole day. I then go up to the, out to the kitchen. I make the kids breakfast. Um, We start our superfood coffee. Usually my husband's already making the superfood coffee because he's up way earlier than me. And we get the kids ready for school. School days are really busy. Summer mornings are much more mellow. We're up like a little later and a little slower and we're taking our time. But school days are pretty quick. So the kids have their chores and they're, they have to do what they have to do. They have a checklist every morning of things to do so that we're not constantly reminding them to do those things, which also helps with our mental health because if we're yelling at them and reminding them of things, it creates like a not great energy in the house. So they know what they're responsible for doing and they either do it or they lose screen time for that day. So that's our morning. We try, I take them to school three mornings, a D takes them two mornings and I drive them to school. I usually listen to very like mellow music. I have a moon circle playlist that's on my Spotify under philosophy mama Spotify. I have lots of playlists from teaching yoga throughout the years, but it's called moon circle and I've had it I don't even know how long, as long as Spotify has been around several years. And it's what I listen to every morning. So it's either playing in my house on all of our Sono speakers, or I then like listen to it in the car if I didn't have a chance to, and it drops me in right away. So it allows me to just remember who I am, come back to spirit. Even while I'm driving, I can just totally tune into that. There's songs from all walks of my life, from different moon circle trainings or yoga teacher trainings, just so many beautiful spiritual moments in my life and drop them off. Noah goes to her preschool after I drop the boys at school. They go to a Waldorf school. It's a really beautiful school. And then I go and go to a yoga class. I either go to hot yoga or I'll go for a walk on the beach, depending on what I'm needing or feeling that day. I might go for a hike. Again, no two days are the same, but I have a couple of routines of what I like to do. It's either hot yoga, a hike, a beach walk, maybe a Pilates class once in a while. And then I start my work day. And throughout those moments, I'm definitely like taking calls and answering things by that point. The minute I drop Noah off at preschool, then I'm full on my phone, like let it in my assistant. I hop on a call with her. I get on social media, like all I kind of like open that right after I drop Noah. My assistant will catch me up. She's on my email most of the time, filtering things through. She'll send me what's most important. That's really important for me, for me not to go to my email and there's just like 300 emails. I need to know what's most important for me to look at. So she'll screenshot the ones or mark them as unread. And that helps me just be like, oh, these are the six emails I actually need to respond to. She'll handle the rest. Then I will go to class, come out of class feel like that's accomplished or go for the beach walk. If I do the beach walk, I'll usually do a call or something at the same time so that I'm killing two birds with one stone. And then the rest of the day is until the kids get home from school is pretty full on in terms of 
meetings, calls, Zooms with my philosophy team, just like all the things that go into running philosophy, being an influencer. I do a lot of partnerships. So I work with my management team. Again, like I have these systems in place so that I'm not doing the day-to-day stuff on my own. I've got a big team of people. I've got my personal assistant who's like the unicorn. She's just incredible. She does everything. I have a copywriter who's been on my team for philosophy for a long time. And now she works with me personally. And so she helps, you know, draft a lot of things out and do the first, you know, run at things. And then I'll either edit or not in terms of like newsletters. She usually has my voice pretty down and knows what's relevant and current. She's watching everything I'm doing. So she's very like knows what's going on. And then I have my whole philosophy team. So, and my management for influencer stuff. So lots of people holding space and just giving me what's the most important. I sometimes see clients one-on-one. I'll do a Zoom with them. I'll do a phone call, a FaceTime. I'll meet them in person. I see friends. I try and see friends as often as I can throughout the day when my kids are in school. So maybe I'll invite them on that beach walk or I'll invite them to the yoga class because that is part of filling up my cup is seeing my friends. And you know, it's hard when we have a family to like always have people at my house because then we want family time. So it's it's kind of finding the balance between those things. But I am a very outgoing, connected, like I need my community and my people. So a few times a week, I'll see my friends like in the middle of the day or we'll go to a yoga class or a hike. And then once the kids get home from school, I settle them in. I give them a snack. I ask them how their day was. We talk. Maybe we'll play something for 20 to 30 minutes. And then I go back to work for another two hours, one to two. Sometimes I'll end early and I'll let the the babysitter or the nanny go. Our nanny's there from 12 to 5. So it helps uh, Noah get home from preschool, take a nap. And then she's there doing stuff around the house, supporting me around the home. There's so many things going on in the house. So she's more of like a house manager also. And then around four or five, I'll end my workday, send them home, and then they'll help me prep dinner or I'll make dinner depending on the day. We might go outside and swim if it's warm or go to a park with the kids, bring a little picnic to the beach or the park. If not, then we're just home cooking together. Um, My husband does a a dance off every day at five o'clock. And that's when he comes upstairs because we both work from home. And it's his way of like disconnecting from the work day and entering into family mode. So at five o'clock, a song or two plays really loud. And we all know it's time to go into the living room and dance our faces off. And that's so nice and so healing and connects all of us. And then we have a family dinner. And yeah, that's pretty much our, our normal day. We do bath time, shower time, read books. We read to our daughter every single night. I just stopped. My kids are 9 and 11. I just stopped reading to them every night this year. So they got a long run of that. Now they can read to themselves. And they do. They read novels to themselves and then fall asleep. My husband and I will watch a show together or just read. If we're not in the mood to watch a show, we'll just read next to each other or talk, go in the backyard. That's our time to connect. And then it starts over the next day. And weekends are much more lax. My, my son will go to a surf lesson. Um, we're slower. We make pancakes for breakfast. You know, it's more of like a slow, delicious Saturday, Sunday. Oh, and I forgot to mention Shabbat is my husband's Israeli. So we're not religious, but we love, I fell in love with the practice of Shabbat, which is for me, Friday around 3 p.m. I shut down and I don't look at my phone until Saturday as long as I can go. So sometimes if it's like, 
I have to look at it because we're going to go somewhere or the maps or whatever, but I don't, I'm not on social media. I am off that full 24 hours and sometimes it extends into Sunday. So that's a ritual that our family has that I try and keep. We sometimes light candles most of the time. Sometimes we forget and that's okay. We're not hard on ourselves. It's really just about being with the family and being so connected and no work, no phones, not even for like a glimpse. So that's nice. I don't necessarily hold that container. Like I'll be doing bath time now or shower time and I'll take a look at my phone if there's something going on and they're happy. But on Shabbat, I do not look at my phone, mostly for my own sanity, but also because they can feel the difference when I shift in and out of energies, right? So yeah. Mm, I love that. And so you and Adi get your time in the evenings. And then do you do like weekly date nights? How do you prioritize your time together? We really try to. I have to be honest that if there's one thing that ends up suffering, it's the date nights. When we get busy or full or like work gets prioritized or the kids have very full lives with soccer or whatever it might be, the first thing that suffers is our date nights. But I would say we probably get two real date nights a month, maybe on average. And it's everything to us. And we love like, we'll go out dancing. We'll go to fun, like festivals. We, I mean, we're fun. We're very young and in our spirit. And like, we will go and dance until like 3am and then have a babysitter the next day. Like, don't get me wrong. Like we are getting our cups full and we could be better about just like going out for date night for sure. You guys are very fun. Like I look at you and I'm like inspired by the amount of fun that you guys have. Like, I'm like, okay, because I can get really comfy in my just every day. You know, I can get really comfy and like a bit of a homebody, but I'm like you, I get full from seeing people and from doing those things. So you inspire me so much with that. And I'm going to definitely go out and do some more dancing. Okay. I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? What is one thing that we can do today for our health? I think just call someone that you love, like pick up the phone. If it's someone you haven't talked to in a long time, or you're just missing them, just pick up the phone and and call them. Beautiful. Beautiful. What's one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. It's all about mindset. So really clearing out any blockages, any blockages that pertain to that abundance mindset. And, And that's where the work comes in. But right away, that's the first thing I think of is like the the only thing keeping us from that abundance is ourselves. Yes, absolutely. And what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? I think forgive, forgiveness. It's very powerful and it's just a ripple effect. Like even if you're forgiving someone quietly to yourself or doing the forgiveness prayer, the Hawaiian forgiveness prayer, Ono you don't have to tell anyone about anything. It's just your own healing and your own forgiveness for that person, for yourself, whatever it might be. Doing that quiet forgiveness practice and really forgiving is a ripple effect for love. Mm. Mm, Absolutely. Beautiful. I love that prayer. It's so beautiful. Mm, So beautiful. This has been so beautiful. You are so beautiful. I love and adore you so much. Is there anything else that you want to share or any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you really wanted to talk about? Oh, you know, I really didn't talk about philosophy. I want to make your your humans a code for philosophy. So it's thephilosophy.com. Let's say, what's a good code for you? Like 
Melissa 20 or something. Yeah, or even just Melissa. And for everyone who doesn't know, Philosophy is Sophie's incredible superfood company. Like, I'm not even joking. Her products are next level amazing. They're all organic, like beautiful, beautiful products. So you guys can get 20% off with the code Melissa. That is so awesome. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, my honey. pleasure. I want to, we'll talk about it another time, but definitely come say hello, come connect on Instagram. I'm always connected and around except for on Shabbat. And (laughs) I love connecting with real people. And, you know, your problems are not too big, too gross, too unmanageable, too extreme. Like I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I've seen worse. And there is this beautiful, beautiful healing on the other side. And the transformation of what's possible for you is so beyond your wildest dreams. Like when I look at some of the couples we've worked with or the women I've worked with or Adi and I, like where we were compared to where we, we couldn't have imagined this life. We couldn't have imagined the trust, the love, the play, the expansion, the ridiculous overflowing abundance in our lives. We wouldn't have been able to even imagine this was possible, but you have to hold out hope and find people in your corner and find people that resonate with you. And you're not alone. No one's alone. Mm, Gosh, you're so beautiful, honey. And you are one of the most big hearted, generous, kind, loving people that walks her talk that I've ever met. When we were last in LA, which I think was was pre-COVID now, I, I don't even remember what year it was. They all kind of mesh into one. But Sophie opened her home to Nick and I and you cooked the most delicious feast for us in your beautiful space. And we were on your podcast and we got to do that in person, which was so much fun, by the way. But you just opened your home and your heart to us. And that's something that I just love and adore about you. You are such a big hearted person who really does walk her talk. And you're such an inspiration. The way that you just live your life, like you are showing people what is truly possible. You're showing people that you can have motherhood and business and a beautiful relationship. And you're very vulnerable. You're very honest. Yeah, you're very honest. Like you're not saying like, my life is perfect. There's no such bloody thing. Like you're here and you're like, this is me. This is all of me. And when I think of you, I think of someone who's living full out. You know, Tony Robbins like says, go full out. You know, when you're at his events, he's like, play full out, go full out. Like don't play half-assed. Sophie plays full out in her life. And I just love and adore you. You're helping so many people. You're serving so many people. You're inspiring so many people. So how can we give back and serve you today? Hmm. Just supporting philosophy, coming and hanging out on my Instagram. You know, it's every little bit helps. And, you know, I would love to see some new people and create new communities. This is where I'm at now. So I think we always like attract where we're at now and that vibration. So if anything that I said resonates, if you want more of this, come follow. I'm Sophie.jaffe on Instagram. Support my superfood company. We ship worldwide. Use the code Melissa. Again, and that's at Philosophy Love on Instagram. And it's spelled with an I-E like my name, Philosophy Love on Instagram and the philosophy.com. And yeah, if you if you're kind of feeling stuck in your relationship, come check out. We have online classes, we have workshops. 
We have a very full retreat schedule we're about to roll out for next year if Tulum in September doesn't work for you, which is in Mexico. We do virtual sessions and yeah, just check us out. We're here to support you supporting us, supports us doing the work. So we get to keep doing the work that we do and sharing free content and doing free workshops for hundreds of people. And me sharing my heart and soul on Instagram for free is because of the support that you give in other ways. And so thank you. And I love you. And thank you for having me. And I wish we lived in the same city. I know. Thank you so much, honey. I love and adore you. And thank you for this beautiful, open, honest conversation. You are such a light in this world. So thank you for being you and thank you for being in my life. I love you lots. I love you. So much goodness in that conversation. Oh, I love her. I could have spoken to her for hours and I got so much out of it. I really was inspired by the amount of joy that she has with life. You know, like I said in the episode, she lives full out. She goes hard out. And it's inspired me to have that approach to life, have that approach to everyday life, I should say, a little bit more, you know, live full out a bit more. I can get very, very comfy in my comfy pants at home. (laughs) And I say that as I'm recording this in my comfy pants. Oh gosh, this is me right now. So I am definitely inspired to live a little bit more full out, to dance a little bit more, to play more, to be more spontaneous definitely inspired and I hope you are too. And if you loved this conversation and you got a lot out of it, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. Now, please come and connect with me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got from this episode. And if you loved this conversation, because if you did, I can bring on more of my friends. Let me know if this is something that you want me to do more of and come and tell me on Instagram and tell me what you got out of it. I absolutely love connecting with you and I love hearing from you. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself today. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy healthy is liberating and wealthy isn't a dirty word.